warm welcome to you all. Hope you'll thoroughly enjoy our program. Britannia, episode one is a very British podcast about very British films with just a hint, an occasional hint of professionalism. And already we ballsed up. Hi, my name's Scott. With me is Tony. Hello, mate. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm fine. Listeners may recognise us from the Stinking Paws podcast. Um, Tony has been the occasional guest over there, mate, a couple of times now. I was a guest, an official guest on one of them, and the other one I come in halfway through and just kept holding up a sign saying John Coffee to make everyone laugh. Exactly, it was the so, bloody uh, green Marley. Yeah, <laughs> that was. Yeah. I was I was officially on one, and you gate crashed and yeah, just turned up on the other. <laughs> um, this podcast has been in the sort of in the works for well since you appeared on our show, and that was. Two, three, three or four years, years ago, ago. <laughs> and we're finally getting around to recording episode one. What, what's the podcast about, mate? Why are we doing this? I'm really old fashioned, and I'm, oh, I'm sorry really to old. Anyone? <laughs> I'm really old, and I don't really like American films. Um, I was brought up around British films, British comedy, mm-hmm. yeah, typical carry-on films, British war films. A few dramas, you know. We weren't really allowed to watch anything foreign that we <laughs> were called in our house. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, Carry On Up the Kyber was a bit on the on the cusp, you know, because it was filmed in a foreign land. Oh, but, my God. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how it was. It wasn't a racist household. I might get that in. Okay. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but everything was... Well, I know you. I've known you now for, God knows, eight years, possibly, seven or eight years, I think it may be. Yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah, and... That is one thing I know about you is for somebody as young as you are, Tony, you have got an exceptional knowledge on British comedy and good old classic British movies. Um, Well, I thought I did until I started researching and then I sort of like, oh, there's a lot more. Yeah, there's a lot more. There is a hell of a lot more than Norman Wisdom and Carry On films. Okay, so the the aim of this (laughs) podcast may be for me to introduce Mm. something a little bit different because... It's not going to be just war movies and carry-on films. Um, no. I'd like to sort of have a look at, say, some old Hammer Horror films if we get down the line, some kitchen sink dramas, yeah. some British sort of period dramas. Probably the only genre that we're not going to touch will be westerns, because there's not many yeah. British westerns, apart from Carry-On no. Cowboy. Um, but 
I'm quite happy to, to, to mix it up, mate, and just have a little look at anything that's out there. And the other thing, when we were talking last week about what we were going to be doing and how we were going to be doing the podcast, I sort of said, oh, let's sort of cap it at about 1980 to keep it classic. I'm quite happy to go right up to date, mate, and just celebrate British films because yeah, if, if like, say, something like I, Daniel Blake comes out or the next Ben Wheatley movie and we want to talk about it, I want to give us the chance to actually have a chat. Yeah, definitely. You all right for that? So, definitely. And then... Yeah, yeah. We've also got to define what is a British film. I mean, I'm quite happy... To, to be honest, the bulk of the stuff is going to be your stiff upper lips and your, it's going to be your John Mills type... British cast all the way through and through but if it's a a British director not necessarily a you know a complete British cast I'm quite happy to look at you know something like if we think it's worthy you know yeah yeah it's it's an awkward one I've yeah I'll go along the lines of you I think it definitely needs to be filmed partly in Britain okay um to qualify or if they go abroad we, we may we may put this to committee and see if they're happy with this. We're, yeah, um, we're, we're happy to bend the rules as we go along, put it yeah, that way. Yeah. yeah, there'll be a fair bit of bending on the way. I okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> already I'm not liking the sound of this. <laughs> <laughs> have you got a favourite British movie of all time? I think you have, haven't you? I think you told me. Yeah. What's your favourite film? It's Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. Is your all-time um, favourite movie, yeah? That is that is my favourite British movie, closely followed by Snatch, because who doesn't love Snatch? Um, <laughs> take that as you want. <laughs> and then, yeah, it's it sort of spirals on from there, really, but I think you can tell a lot from that. that uh, I like a bit of British violence. A bit of British violence. And, but then I yeah. also know that you love sort of British sitcoms from the 70s. Yeah. and Yeah, definitely. Old 60s movies and... Even music as well. Your music taste is sort of geared towards that. Or even older in some some ways as well, isn't it? Yeah, I think the oldest song I've currently possessed is 1939, which is now Bowley song. Um, but yeah, it, it goes. From, again, I sort of cut off at the 90s. Really, there's the odd modern day song that <laughs> um, that appeals to one. But after that, it's, crazy, it's old stuff I listen to all the time. Crazy rap music and all that. Oh uh, yes, yes, all this <laughs> disco tech nonsense and. <laughs> Dance and EDM, whatever that is. What's EDM? I've got no idea what you're on about. Um, uh, I don't know. I, I see it every now and then on particular music sites. It comes up EDM. I'm like, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Electronic <laughs> dance music, possibly. There you go. You're, see, you're, you're, you're older than me. No, you know I don't this. even know. I've just plucked that out of the air. Um, <laughs> <laughs> tonight, I mean, we didn't know what to do for the first episode. You came up with the idea for this one. Yeah, we were talking on the phone about two weeks ago, and you went, "Oh, oh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest," and I'm like, yes. "What?" I went, "No, no, that Jack Nicholson. That's you know an American film." It's, and you went, "I think I got a bit overwhelmed and excited, like you said, it's been <laughs> in the pipeline for many years, and then all of a sudden I just come out with some utter crap because well, I wasn't thinking straight." It's um, quite easy to, to mix up One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest with The Eagle Has Landed, which is the film we're going to be reviewing this evening. It is. Let's see how we go, mate. We're going to play <laughs> the trailer, and we'll be back after this with our review. September 12, 1943. German paratroopers snatch Mussolini from his mountaintop prison in Italy. The event stuns the world. Inspired by the rescue of his ally, Hitler orders an even more daring bid to capture his greatest enemy. 
The explosive events of Jack Higgins' international bestseller, now seen as they happened in a film of epic suspense. The Eagle Has Landed. I want you to go to England for me. Colonel, I barely know you. To assist in the kidnapping and safe return to Germany of Winston Churchill. The mission to seize Churchill at the moment when danger is least expected. Now, a man to lead it, Carl. Oberst Kurt Steiner, commanding the 12th Parachute Detachment. Late autumn, 1943, the secret invasion of England begins. What the hell's going on, Haley? Damn the final. Oh, now, calm down, Pablo. I don't know what's happening. Colonel, man, please, man. They're not Polish. They're Germans. And they're going to try and kidnap Church. What? Now, this Churchill business. I'll feel it once it's seen through. If anything happens to Churchill, because you're late, this country's going to swing you from Big Ben by your Suddenly, the peace of an English village is shattered by German paratroopers. What if Churchill prefers to die? What if... Abduction becomes assassination. A race against time to save Britain's war leader. Get the men in position. Don't let anyone out of the village, and once anyone comes in, they stay in. A soldier of fortune, whose one weakness is the woman he loves. What gets you? You don't know the first thing about me. Because if you did, you'd know that I much prefer warm autumn afternoon under the pines. A girl whose love is about to be betrayed. It may not win the war, but it would make them think about a negotiated peace. I never betrayed anything in my life that I believed in. They're going to try and kill Churchill. The time has come, Mr. Dublin, when I no longer control events. They control me. Go there! Go, Mallory! The most exciting adventure story of World War II. Millions have read the book. Now an international cast brings dramatically to life on the screen this epic story of Hitler's desperate attempt to change the course of history. Stunning, exciting, inspiring, a film you must not miss. The Eagle Has Landed. The Eagle Has Landed. Tony, it was released on Christmas Day 1976 in Finland. Oh, now there's a, there's a release date. It's the only release date on IMDb. The Christmas Day, 1976, in Finland, starring Michael Caine, Donald Sutherland, Robert Duvall, Jenny Agutter, Anthony Quayle, Donald Pleasance, Gene Marsh, directed by John Sturgis, screenplay by Tom Mankiewicz, based on the Jack Higgins novel. Synopsis. One or two that are known then. Uh, just a couple of famous faces. Just a couple. Yeah. Give us the synopsis, Tony. Tell us what it's all about. Uh, it's a German plot to kidnap Winston Churchill. Uh, it unfolds at the height of World War Two. There we go. Um, mm-hmm. It's a very brief synopsis that we found, but um, it's uh, an elaborate tale that once we've spoken about it, you sort of start to question, could it have actually happened in real life? Yeah, I was going to ask you that. How realistic yeah. is it? When you sit there and think about it, and I've thought about it a lot, it's... Um, I think there's a quote in it which I'm going to find, actually, that I've actually written down. Okay. It was. Uh, here we go. The last quote was from the British was, no one will ever know about this. This never happened. It did not occur. And when that was said, mm-hmm. I think it was by um, Churchill's second-in-command, 
you think this actually could have happened in real life? This isn't a fictional story. Yeah. But... No, it has happened, and someone's written about it. Where would you get the idea from that they're coming over here and they abduct and try to kill Churchill? You know, it's um, it's one of them ones. It makes you think. Yeah, let's make this clear to the listener. We are going to spoil this um, mm. the plot because it's it's thirty years old, nearly forty years old. This film now, so well, it is forty years old. Um, so you know, if you if you haven't seen it, watch it, and if you want to listen to our review afterwards, it's entirely up to you. But yeah, uh, there is the use of a double Hitler's double. Yes. Uh, not Hitler, sorry, Churchill's double at the end. Churchill's double. And and that was common, you know, that, that sort of thing, because there was the um, the guy that, you know, they used the body, didn't they, in the thing with the plans. In, in uh, They planted plans on him and, and dumped him in the sea, yeah. didn't they, during the war to, to give fake information about the D-Day landings, I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but also, interestingly as well, you mentioned uh, Churchill's second-in-command. Was that Cassandra's yes. dad from Only Fools and Horses? I think it is. I'm not <laughs> sure because he looks very young there. Oh, I think it's very, him. very, very young. Oh, I think it's um, him. Yeah, yeah. I'm almost convinced now. You've said it. How many times have you seen this? Oh, over ten times. Bloody hell! More than me. I thought I'd, you know three or four times for me was enough. But ten it was to- a sort of a Sunday afternoon. It was either my grandparents, yeah, or my parents, and even. I I got an Apple TV box, mm-hmm. and it was on there once, and I just watched it about three times in a row because <laughs> I'd not watched it. So I had a bit of a gap from it, and then I just watched it about two or three times, yeah. followed by the Battle of Britain. I just went from this binge of war films, of war films, and then I was studying the war, World War Two at the time with my parents. They're well into all that, the historical side of it all, yeah. And they play dress up at their, their special meetings they go to for adults. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I watched it a couple of times and I was like, oh, yeah, I, I forgot about this one. And then it opened doors up to other ones. Um, yeah, so yeah, over 10 times, over 10 times. Right. Okay, so you've seen, seen it enough times to be more than familiar with it. And as, I mean, Tony, how old are you now, sir? I am 23. 23. Now, this is the surprising thing. You're only 23. I'm nearly twice your age. Bloody hell. Right. You're familiar with those famous faces in this film. Obviously, Michael Caine, Donald Sutherland, Robert Duvall. You know them. You know the sort of movies these guys have appeared in. You're familiar with a lot of their work. Yeah. This sort of genre of film is also one of your favourites. Yep. It must be one of your favourite movies for you to watch it that many times. I mean, I, I like the film, but I couldn't actually put it in my top ten or anything like that. Um, I think it's typical of the 70s war film era, obviously based on the Jack Higgins, Higgins novel. You know, he was massively popular in the 70s. How plausible is this plot? I mean, we, we, we're talking, could it happen? We were saying that just a minute ago. Is it a little bit over the top? Is it a little bit hammy? I don't think so. I really don't think so. It, it's um, when you break it down that like, it's a unit in Germany. They get sent to the Alderney Isles, yeah, a state of Alderney. They're there because they're in trouble. They were court martials. They were sent there just to send torpedoes off into the English Channel. Yeah, 
they are seen as sort of an elite team. Top German bods come down, say to them, right, this is your mission. Yeah. Go over to Britain. And obviously, at the time, Churchill was a big target. Yeah, World because... War II, in its height, they, they wanted to get hold of him because if they got him, then Britain would fall because he was all the glue keeping it all together. He was the motivational speaker. Yeah. Um, they, they mentioned it'd be more sort of negotiated peace rather than surrender or something, I think they refer to it as. But also, it's it's based on the fact that Mussolini was successfully kidnapped and rescued. So they're thinking, right, well, if we can get hold of Mussolini, yeah, why can't we get hold of the enemy? How feasible is it? And this is how it all starts, isn't it? Because Robert Duval is, is tasked by Anthony Quayle to just set up a feasibility study just to keep Hitler happy. Yeah. To see if it's possible, because Hitler's going to forget it in a couple of days. He says, don't worry about it. It's Himmler I've got to worry about because he's he's got his teeth sunk into this. But he, Himmler didn't. And he carried on with it. <laughs> yeah, and Himmler is played superbly by Donald Pleasance. He looks so much like him and just <laughs> creepy in every bloody role that man plays, but he's, he's a superb performance by Donald Pleasance. And we get this uh, this remarkable variation in German accents throughout the film yes. as well. Very a low, a low. It is exactly. exactly. <laughs> it is terrible. Anthony Quayle is, you can just hear it's Anthony Quayle. Michael Caine, when he's shouting at the guy that is about to beat the Polish woman, he, he goes into real Cockney Michael Caine at one point when he's screaming and shouting at him and he's supposed to be German. I, I don't know if it's because it's Michael Caine, yeah. but to me he doesn't really change. Because no. when he's in the German uniform, he sounds like Michael Caine. When he comes over and he's in the British, <laughs> Polish paratrooper uniform, yeah. he sounds like Michael Caine. Yeah. He doesn't even try. And I think that's brilliant. <laughs> I think it's really... It, it's, again, it's, this brings me back to a lower low, because mm. no there's no difference. Yeah. You can't tell the difference. It's just a really <laughs> crap accent they're trying to put on to fool everyone. And it doesn't work. And I think that's brilliant. I yeah. think that's what makes the film. This is what makes the film. You overlook these little... Yeah, foibles, it's so yeah. shit. It's good. Is it? I don't think it's one of those bad films. I, yeah, because Charlie and I on the Stinking Paul's podcast, we had this conversation a couple of weeks ago that there's this phrase that you know films are so bad they're good. Um, oh, not the not the film. I think it's just that the accents and the acting around all that uh, bit. It's so poor, but it just makes it. I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Again, what made Hello Hello funny? Yeah, just the accent side of it. If you look over all the comedy side of it, all that just made it so comical in its own right. Yeah, and I, th- I think you can be a little bit forgiving in this because when you look at the cast list, it is a stellar cast list. Oh yeah, and you just think, well, no, it don't matter if that accent's not hundred percent genuine. Bloody hell, look who's no. there. You know, you've you've got all these famous faces in there for God's sake. You know, they play the part so well, you overlook it. Exactly. Exactly. That, that's that's the best thing about it. They play. Like Michael Caine plays his German role so well, you don't you just forget about it. And not, and it's nice to see Michael Caine as a baddie, as a villain. Yeah, very yeah. very rare. It's it's nice, but it's also a bit upsetting, really. You know, you don't sort of think of him as a as a baddie, but he's also a goodie. That's that's why he ends up in the ordinary state of ordinary. Yeah, because he stops the girl being shot by the SS. Exactly, and he gets court martialed for it yeah. at the train station. Yeah. Um, so he's uh, he's a good baddie in this one. Yeah, you, you get the impression that the Germans... It's, it's 1943, I think, this is set. So mm. there's a very real danger that 
you know, the Battle of Britain's already been lost at this point. You know, they're advancing through Africa and God knows where. And there's a very real threat that the Germans might actually lose this, you know, because the Americans mm. have obviously been brought in. And there's a couple of comments by a couple of the soldiers that that are sort of said, you know, this is our last chance sort of thing because we're going to lose this disastrously unless we do something drastic. Um, and there's also, you know, like you say, this whole thing about the concentration camps and... and the Polish uprising, where I think Michael Caine says to the guy that they were armed with what was he said they were armed with um, broomsticks oh. and and something or other, isn't it? He said, "Oh, they, they resisted like that, yeah. fiercely. What with broomsticks and and handbags or something." Yeah, remember. something <laughs> along their lines. Yeah. So, but he sort of brought it home though, a bit, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. It's a bit of a chilling moment for Michael Caine. <laughs> <laughs> the action sequences, the old shootouts, and things like that. Very well done. Mm. I liked the whole <laughs> the American involvement with Larry Hagman. Uh, yeah. Now, well, in the war, obviously they come into the war nineteen forty one, I believe it was in December, early December, yep. and just after Pearl Harbor. Yeah. And then you got lots of barracks in the UK springing up. They're mm-hmm. a military, American military bases all over. You've still got a few here now. We've got the odd one or two. But, yeah, you've got a lot of army rangers over here who thought they were the dog's nuts. And, obviously, got a lot of people pregnant and 101 airborne, which, to this day, even on the reenactment field, everyone seems to be part of that. Okay. And they would take over from where all the British troops had gone because a lot of the young, the small towns, where this is set in a town in Norfolk, I believe, yep. a fictitious town in Norfolk. I can't think of the name they gave it, but it was Stud- a lovely little town. Dudley Constable. There you go. You've got to be careful saying that, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you can imagine the only... The all, only... The, all, the, all the young men were all sent to the front line and there was no one left but the old guys. They couldn't really look after the place. So you'd get all the American Rangers in just to show a presence, reassurance, and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah the, the home guard, you know, it would have been Dad's, yeah. Dad's army would have been the only like last line of or first line of defence, you know, up there. So you've got... Larry Hagman, who's who's a ranger, but he's also, you know, his only experience of combat is in the National Guard, you know, fighting weekends, like similar to our TAs, you know, it's, it's that sort of experience. And he finds himself in the middle of World War II, uh, having to be, he's, he's actually supposed to be going back home, isn't he, I think, the following week, I yeah. think he mentions at one point. So all of a sudden, the call goes out that there's these Germans in the middle of this village... And yeah, and it, it all sort of happened in a very bizarre way as well, didn't it? It was the, the little girl fell into the river and there was a water wheel. And one of the guys bravely jumped in, saved the little girl, the yep. big hero. He gets caught up in a wheel, killed instantly, and his German uniform pops out. That's it. So yeah. they, they were portraying um, Polish paratroopers, a British regiment. Again, Polish didn't really get mentioned in the war, but yeah. there's a big Polish input into the British war. World War Two, sorry. When they've they've been helping ju- people as well. They've been doing their gardens. They've been helping out around the town. <laughs> they're the heroes, but there's actually all Nazis. All Nazis. They've all got their all got their German uniforms underneath the Polish ones. And basically, this town consists of about well, this village consists of about twelve people, including yeah. the, the vicar, the vicar's <laughs> sister. Yeah. Uh, there's a double agent played marvelously by Gene Marsh. He's Agent Starling, who's the one that's yep. been sort of sending these coded messages saying that Churchill is due to to stay nearby that you know that weekend and and as Robert Duval says at the beginning it's 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 fate that 
we've been given this order to see if we can potentially kidnap Churchill. And then we get this information coming through that Churchill is here on this remote village, unprotected, at that particular weekend. He said that, which is why Robert Duval gets the order to to do it basically just go and uh and, and go ahead with the mission other films from the 70s war films you mentioned battle of britain which was late 60s i think have you yep. seen things like i'm just trying to think of the top of my head bridge too far yes i do believe i've not watched seen... it a lot of times i yeah. think i've watched it once or twice okay um i'm just trying to think of the more modern sort of 60s and 70s war films this one, Busters, the Dambusters is a bit earlier, and things like The Longest Day was the early 60s, 1960, 61. I mean, your your era of war films, I take it, are the old black and white ones. You've got Reach for the Sky, The Dambusters, 633 Squadron. You, you love 633 all, Squadron, oh God, yeah. You love all of that sort of stuff, yeah. So yeah. this one, although we said may possibly could have happened, is, is a war film based strictly based on a novel. Yeah. Are you happy with that? You enjoy the fact that, you know, all right, it isn't a true story. You, you know, you're quite happy to watch a war film that is fictional rather than based on true events. I think if it was made that it was so unbelievable, then I wouldn't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But the fact that it's been played so well and you can question it, that it could have actually happened. Yeah. And you, you just don't know. It could have happened and it has covered up. And this person's written this as a novel yeah. as a way of getting round the. Official Secrets Act. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, I don't think you're never going to know. I don't think you'll ever know. I, I do believe that something like this has happened, and that's where he's got the idea from. You're convinced, aren't you? You're convinced. I am, this is really... I am very, very convinced that something <laughs> like this, it is so possible back then, it could have yeah. happened. Yeah. I remember reading a novel called Back in the 80s, and I think it was, it was like a fictionalised account of, um, what if Hitler had escaped from the bunker? You know, and they, they'd used a double, you know, it was the body there that they burnt of him and Eva. Well, I think they actually shot Eva Braun, but used the double of him. And it's yeah. the story of his escape across the Alps, I think it was, with this ragtag bunch of German mercenaries, you know, to try and get to Argentina. And again, that was quite plausible, and that would make a bloody good film, actually. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we're not going to... I don't know, are we going to be scoring films in this podcast? Did you want to do like a rating system for them? Marks out of ten, marks out of five? Maybe we should have a good, bad or shit. Good, bad or policy. shit. <laughs> right. Bad, sort of middle of the road, it's, it's watchable, <laughs> but, you know, shit, that means right. that I don't even bother. Put it this way. Would... Don't even listen to this. the rest of this review. If we say it's shit from the beginning, just turn it off, go and watch Coronation Street, enjoy yourself. <laughs> Would you watch it again? Yes, is your answer. Of course I would. Of course I would. It's a good film. And it's the sort of film that you'd watch at least once a year? Oh, at least. Yeah? At least. It's the sort of film where when she's out of her mates and I've got the house to miss out. <laughs> this is your guilty pleasure, but you're not... Feeling... It is my guilty pleasure. I'll sit there in a tub of ice cream, oh, well, in my pants, here we go. and I'll watch just a, <laughs> a whole load of old films like this. But you don't feel that guilty about doing it, so you, it's not that no. much of a guilty pleasure, is it? <laughs> no. No, what no, other, it's not. What other films like this would you class in that sort of category, then? Oh. Apart, obviously, the ones we've mentioned, Battle of Britain, 633 Squadron. Um, there was one, There Will Be Blazes. Will that be. was... Uh, it's sort of a bit of a different one for me, because like, one of my, grand, my grandmother 
she was in the AFS during the war. Yeah. Um, I'm in the fire service, so that was a bit of a closer to home one to me. Ah, right. uh, okay. Yeah, my nan, my nan was in the fire service in London during the war. I didn't yeah. even know this. See, yes, this, volunteer, volunteer. We can have a completely different chat after the oh, show. Yeah, volunteer fire. So I've seen the medal and everything, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah. So yeah, my my nan was the first leading firewoman in the Medway town. She was based as a divisional driver, which was unheard of at the time. A woman driving around an officer in the fire service. Bloody hell. Yeah, so the, the fire service to uh, to drive. Yes. Recklessly. Yeah. <laughs> as I found out later life when she used to pick me up from school and it's only it's only the last two years she's not she's given a car up. She's still got a driving licence which scares me a little bit. Oh my god. Yeah. So she would blame the fire brigade if she'd go through speed cameras at the age of eighty three. Like, and she bit used to rev the engine at school kids to scare them. That's the sort of thing she used to do. I'm just picturing Clint Eastwood's mum in every which way but loose because this is <laughs> <laughs> I think she's actually taken her driving lessons at 80, though, isn't she, in that film? Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, so but, a, a, apart from war films, just throw yes. some comfort movies at me. What would you, you know, say like now, it's it's quarter to nine on a Sunday night, you've, you've probably got an hour or two to watch a movie. What would you chuck on? What would you watch? Oh, it would be... Def- Carry-ons are up there, obviously. We're not going to go on to too much about carry-ons, but we will touch on One thing about carry-ons, by the way, I know I didn't want to impose too many rules about what we're going to watch and, you know, what classes of British film and that. If we're going to start talking carry-on films, right, if you wanted Mm. to select a carry-on movie, or I did, can we do them in order? Yeah, obviously. Yeah, 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 that makes sense. If you fancy doing a carry-on film, obviously the first one will do be carry-on sergeant. Same as anything. Carry on Sergeant. Yeah, same as anything in a season. Like if we wanted to do the St. Trinian's movies, we pick Bella St. Trinian's, Bells of St. Trinian's first. Or if we're doing James Bond, we start a Doctor No. You know, anything like that, rather than go in the middle of a sequence. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense, doesn't it? Something like that. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so for you, this movie, getting back to the movie, um, definitely watch again. Yep. Um, if I was reviewing this on the stinking pause where we do it out of five stars it's a four star movie for me because it's not the greatest film in the world but like you it's one that I can just watch if it's on the TV and it's on you know and I'm the, I'd, I'd watch it if it's halfway through I'd, I'd, I'd put it on the one thing I just noticed mate as I was looking on IMDB the version mm. I watched was just about two hours long which I'm assuming is the one you watched yes did you know that there's an extended, restored cut, two and a half hours, extra half an hour? No. No, nor did I. So I'm interested to find out what the extra bits are. I shall be complaining to Netflix after this because they didn't show that one to me. No, apparently the version we watch is the US cut. Oh, see the Americans again. See, this is why it's a British podcast, because we do it properly. <laughs> Sorry, Americans, if you're listening. There will be a few. There will be a yeah, few there, listening. I, I do apologise. I, I, don't get me wrong. I'm not completely slating you. I, I have an American friend. That That's my... I have an American my, friend. I have an American friend. Good, you're going to say, so I've got, the, I, I don't, I'm all right with gay people. I have a gay friend. You know, I just... do. I do. <laughs> he, he might even listen to it. Hopefully. <laughs> We need the numbers. Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, we get the audience. We don't care who listens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're we're very including of everyone here. So, yes, American, British, gay or straight, we don't care. Uh, <laughs> Too much. 
<laughs> there, there are limits. <laughs> and there we go. That's the eagle has landed. We'll be back in a minute with what we're going to be watching next time. Coming soon to a cinema near you. Okay, what we're watching next time. Um, similar to the Stinking Paws podcast, because we're, we're counting this podcast, Tony, as, as a sister podcast of the Stinking Paws, I think. It's it's there in spirit, you know. It's very good here. Um, yeah. and, and, I, I, just a little disclaimer before we go any further. I can't really take any credit for this. This is all Scott's doing. Um, I, I feel a bit bad for Charlie. I feel like I'm stepping on his toes. No, 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 no. We're probably going to bring Charlie into a couple of episodes. I, I hope so. Because there's going to be certain films that will be sort of a stinking pause crossover that Charlie would like mm. to be involved in, plus other podcasters as well that we're, you know, we're friends with. Because there's a couple of titles that I'd like to talk about, and I know there's some people out there that would like to talk about it too. So mm. I've got some ideas later down the line. So. See, sadly, I can't offer any podcast friends because I'm a virgin to all this, <laughs> and I've been penetrated this evening. <laughs> Whilst I lay on my bed in a sexual pose talking to you. (laughs) Now you've seen that, that's conjuring up images across the podcast in airwaves now. I hope so. Similar to the Stinking Paul's podcast, what Charlie and I do is he'll pick a movie one week, I'll pick one the next. So you chose Eagle Has Landed, it's my turn for the next show. Not going to pick a war film, going to try and mix up the genres a little bit as we said, but we're going to go... Round about the same sort of release date, mate. We're talking 1977. I'm sure you've seen this. If you haven't, you're going to bloody love it, and you will be aware of it anyway. It's a movie spin-off of a British TV series, but it's not a comedy. It was a cop show. Right. And released in January 1977 by Euston Films, it is the first movie version of The Sweeney. Oh, wow. <laughs> I have got both of them on DVD. Good man, so have I. You've seen them. Yeah. Right, this is I the one... a we... massive Sweeney fan. Good. I have box set. Same as. <laughs> um, John yep. Four fan, Dennis Waterman fan. Yep. Um, yeah. You like so, that yeah, idea? I'm, I'm pleased with that choice. You're right with that one. This is the one with Diane Keane and Barry Foster. Um yeah. The one with the... It's not the bank robbers, is it? This is the one with the, the assassin, I think, isn't it? With the, well, we'll talk more about it next time, but it's, it's that yeah. one. I'm looking forward to that. Tony, it's been really cool, this first episode. We'll look at doing this at least at least monthly, if not a bit more regular than that, fortnightly possibly. See how we go? Yep, definitely. For those that are interested, you can follow the podcast on Twitter, and the Twitter handle is at Pod. The website where this and all the future episodes will be found is realbritannia.libsyn.com. Oh, he's good, isn't he? Oh, yes. We've got a Facebook page, which you started. That's that's your baby, the Facebook page. Email. MP3s and emails can be sent to realbritannia at gmail.com. And it takes a couple of days, but we will be on iTunes and we will be on Stitcher Radio as well. Tony, yes. thanks for being there, mate. I've totally enjoyed talking about... The Eagle has landed. I'm probably going to watch it again in the next six months, mate, to be honest. Yeah, I think if she goes out later... You're going to put it on tonight. (laughs) Yeah, I probably will. I'll wait until she's gone to sleep. I think I'll wait until she's gone to sleep. And then I'll watch it again. And then I'm going to be straight on to the Sweeney. Try and find the extended version as well, and then we'll have to talk about what the extra half an hour is all about. Yeah, yeah, I'm... um... 
I'm a bit miffed about that now. Yeah. What else is in it? We'll find out, mate. We'll have more um, more news in the next show. I think it's going to be like Grease 2. You just don't want to know. You don't want to watch it. You don't want to know. Because <laughs> it's going to be a complete and utter abortion. It's going to be a totally different uh, ending to it. And Churchill survives. And, and Yeah, um, Hitler and Churchill go for dinner or something. <laughs> and hold hands down Gaiety Green. Oh, and... dear Lord. <laughs> um, well, yes, thank you, Scott, for um, giving us the chance. It's Obviously, it's taken a long time to take off. But we got there in the end. We got there in the end, mate. Let's see how we go. I enjoyed every single minute of it, mate. I'll see you very, very soon. Yes, see you soon. Cheers. Thank you again, listeners. Um, we, we, we'll we try and be professional, like we said at the start. We will do our best. <laughs> so bear, bear with me, especially me. Scott is used to this. He, he's, he's done it a few times now. You're fine, I'm just mate. breaking myself in. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. Thank you. Hand up, sir.